0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to What I Know Now podcast. This podcast features personal stories and lessons learned from Beach Body coaches around the globe. I want to know what they've experienced, any advice that they have to give. And um, for today's uh, episode, we're on episode two, I'm very excited and honored to be featuring Milan Jensen. Hi, Milan. Hello. So, Milan, just give everybody in the audience, the listening audience, a uh, little bit about your background. What, what's, uh, where do you live? And um, who do you live with, Kid, <laughs> kids, husband?
1: <laughs> what's the life picture? Okay, so I live in, um, first of all, it's just such a joy to spend this time with you, Sandy. Thank you so much for including me and inviting me. Um, so Kevin and I um, are still newlyweds. We were married in 2006 and moved to the Sonoma wine country. Um, which is just north of San Francisco, and it's kind of the artsy, funky side of the wine country near the ocean. Um, and we have Sedona, our fur baby, our yellow Labrador. Um, together, Kevin and I have three daughters, all grown, married, with children of their own. Um, we have seven grandkids and two great grandsons now. So
0: incredible, a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful life. Now, I failed to mention that you are called a founding coach. Now, for newer coaches that listen to this why don't you explain what that
1: means so um, you know it it all starts with an idea and um, Carl had this idea probably brewing somewhere around 2005 or so and um, as he was deciding how he was going to go about this he looked at just like we do as coaches as a matter of fact the people who he felt um, would share his vision for it and um, I think that totaled close to 40 people. And in December of 2006, we all came together and kind of locked arms and decided to take on this mission with Carl. And um, prior to its official launch, we were the initial group who who created the coach community.
0: So you are actually coach number one. I am. That sounds so silly to say. You were the first one. I mean, that's not your ID number, but I won't share that with anybody. But you were the first person to sign up. With Carl, did you know what you were getting into? Not at all. No, <laughs> I
1: no, and you know, in fact, you know, just kind of the story that led to that. I um, am probably the most unlikely network marketer, I think, on the planet sometimes because I really don't see myself as a network marketer at all. But that was my career. Um, I'm much more of a community builder, and I think that actually started. I was the youngest of three girls born to an immigrant family. And I learned from my parents some really interesting things about um, you know, what the options would be for my own career. Like my dad was a graphic artist back in the days when Hewitt and Packard were actually his clients in Palo Alto where I was raised. Um, And my mom had a traditional job in the medical field and medical research. And so I watched the difference between her getting a paycheck and um, going to a job every day. Luckily that she loved, um, And my dad, you know, trying to be like a one man band and run a whole show and having his own business. And both of them definitely had their pluses, but they had big minuses. And so I learned a lot just watching them. And uh, going then through high school, I was that girl in the middle. So I wasn't like the super performer. I tried everything. And I wasn't like the girl in trouble. I was kind of the invisible girl in the middle. The the one that didn't even know how to fill out a college application. So I never went to college. And, um, you know, I think I moved, I got married young, um, had my girls really young and I was a mom looking for like some way to add some income to my family, not even really knowing how to do that well and without a college degree, not sure how to do that. Um, so I literally scrapped my way up a corporate ladder and that corporate ladder happened to be in network marketing. It was like just by kind of this weird circumstance that I ended up, in a network marketing company. And I had never heard of it. Like, so nobody invited me to a party. Nobody drew circles on the wall. I didn't even know what network marketing was. And here I am working for this company and falling in love with it. Like it, it was totally the solution to what I saw my mom struggle with in her traditional job. And what I saw my dad struggle with as a sole proprietor. And so I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And um, I spent maybe 14 years climbing the corporate ladder in network marketing to a vice president role Um, but here's the problem i would go from place to place telling people you know do what you love you know live your best life be true with what matters to you most and create freedom and all these kinds of wonderful things that would motivate people to go create these great little businesses with their company And then I'd go to an empty hotel room to wake up the next day to get on a plane to go. say the same thing for a paycheck. And I thought, okay, I want to be on the other side of this equation. I just didn't know how, Mm -hmm. um, later on during that stage, I was a single mom with girls in college. And so just didn't think I could make that shift, but loved the whole idea of the business model of network marketing. Had it been done right. And I also watched network marketing being done wrong for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was a part of it. And so I, always dreamed that if I could find the right place to do it, right. I would really be able to show people what's possible. Um, so fast forward, um, I, uh, left at the peak of my income earning years, I left my career. People thought it was nuts somewhere between 38 and 42. Um, I hit that restless point where I just realized that if I showed up for it every day, I was telling myself it was okay and it wasn't okay. Mm. Um, so I quit to take better care of myself. People were shocked. I had a great story around why I did it. And then I had to figure out what's next. Um, And Kevin was next. So Kevin and I got married. We bought this home in the wine country that we love and Beachbody started calling and I could have never envisioned that because we were a unique couple. We had both come out of the corporate world. We both really wanted to elevate the whole experience of network marketing and the whole profession of it. And Carl wanted that too. Um the problem is they had to invite us six times I kept saying no because of the name beach body. Mm-hmm. Up until that point taking care of myself wasn't my best skill um so wait a minute wasn't it called million dollar body? It was. It was called million dollar body which was even worse. <laughs> which is even
0: worse. Okay so so how so you started getting uh, recruited by Carl mm-hmm. to come join beach body or to come like build
1: a million dollar body.
0: Correct. Okay. And and yes. and, and Kevin had network marketing background as well.
1: Yes. So okay. he had come through even longer than mine. I mean, he was literally like at the age of 20 hundred percent sold on network marketing. Um, and so I guess that's what was unique about us. And so, yeah, Chris um, then the president, the president to be of million dollar body and Carl were calling us. I was checking things out online, million dollar body, beach body. I'm like, I don't have that. I am not that. And I have never judged a person based on their weight. So maybe this is, I was talking myself out of it over and over again. Luckily, they were persistent and Kevin loved the idea. So here I am newly married to Kevin. I'm like, okay, let's get in the car. Let's go meet this crazy guy, Carl. And I love that story because we went and my arms were crossed the whole time. I was resistant. I said to myself, I don't fit in here. I don't know. But something happened as I was walking out the door.
0: Okay. After
1: three days. So Carl could probably tell that I was like, I don't know. And, um, this
0: was a three
1: day presentation. It was three days of hanging out with them and listening to Michael Neiman and, you know, meeting the little team that they had of, I don't think it was only like eight people that were going to do this network thing. And, um, you know, talking about like, what's the first coach kit look like? And that's funny. And well, um, this is,
0: I can't believe, but this is just a few months before my time. But yeah. Beach Body as a company existed 10 years prior. They were making Activit and they were making some programs. So here's Million Dollar Body, which is a spin off mm-hmm. of Beach Body and, and going into the network marketing. This is when Carl first decided, I think coaches can do this. Right. So, okay, take us further. So he
1: was telling us the vision. And, you know, this part of the story is something I wish every new coach could learn because I, in, in, a, in a small way, it's a conversation I have every time I meet somebody new and we, we're talking about Beachbody as I tell, not this whole story, my story, but I tell the Beachbody side of it. So I remember Carl saying, listen, um, you know we know a few things. we know that when we, we're good at infomercials and we're good at getting these boxes full of DVDs sent to people's houses we can do that well um, but what we know is that of forty people that watch an infomercial, only one buys so the other thirty nine don't for one reason or another. This is what I remember kind of hearing and learning in the beginning so we've got great brand awareness but we don't necessarily have the reach we want to have and besides, we don't want to just be a DVDs in a box company we want we want results. And so they started looking at, let's say the average 10 people who were doing P90X at the time. And five of them never opened the box, which is kind of like people joining a gym, similar behavior. Mm -hmm. A few of them started and stopped and a few of them got amazing results. And what I love about what they did with that information is they looked, they didn't freak out about the people who didn't open the box. They asked the question, why are certain people getting results? And the answer was they had a link to each other.
0: Mm. Somehow
1: they had found other people doing a beach body program and said, hey, listen, I'll support you. And that to me was the heart of this whole company. And a big part of my decision was, oh, OK, so it wasn't a bunch of people sitting around tables saying, hey, let's create a network marketing company. By the way, what product should we sell? It was actually born from our customers who said if we connect somebody who's made a decision to live a healthier life with somebody else who has a vested interest in helping them do that, they're going to get results. Which is going to raise the experience people have of our brand. It's going to mean that Beachbody isn't just DVDs in a box anymore, and it's going to create a really fun opportunity for people who care about this. And so, that was when I had to sit back and go, "Oh, this isn't like every other network marketing company. This is really so." This was from- the light.
0: This was the light
1: bulb moment that made you want to sign on. It. It was the foundation of it for me and, and something Carl said as I was walking out the door. So I'm walking out the door, probably my arm's still a little bit crossed, not sure if I belong. It wasn't anything about how wonderful Body or the idea was or his vision. It was an inside within myself. I'm like, I'm not sure I fit. And so he noticed that and he said, Milan, listen. I can't make any promises about the future, but we've got a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. And I think I really do believe in this. So let me just ask you this. What if you could create a business doing something you really loved, something that you were really, really proud of every day, where the most important part of the success of that business wasn't numbers, wasn't anything except one thing. And that is that you took really good care of yourself. Mm. And I, you know, I thanked him for his time and I left and Kevin was like, totally on board. And here's my new husband, like, let's go. And I'm thinking, I don't know why. And I remember driving home and saying to myself, no CEO had ever said that to me. All these years that I had spent in my career and I was now early forties, which is late for anybody to start in this business. I like no CEO ever cared if I was healthy or happy. Yeah. They just did care. They cared about like, what was I delivering to their bottom line and their initiative? And here was a guy saying, I'm not sure. I really believe in this. I think you could help. But what if the most important thing, regardless of anything else that happens is that you take really good care of yourself. That's what would matter to me. And I thought, all right, I'm all in. And
0: it it sounds like those words have stayed with you and you share those with other people every time you get people into the business.
1: I do. I do because if nothing else happens, my fondest hope for every coach is that they find a path for being healthy and happy because at the heart of it, beyond the products and beyond the plan and beyond everything else, healthy and happy is the goal. And I care more about that, delivering on that promise than anything else.
0: What do you love about the business?
1: Um, I think when I say that I love, I love the work with people, but I'm also really proud that we tell the truth about um, helping people find solutions around healthy living. And I think that, that what I've discovered is like, some people think we're like a weight loss company or a fitness company, but at the heart of finding your path to, to, to self care and living a healthy life, it seems to unlock other things in your life that really matter to people. Mm -hmm. So I love being a part of that human transformation and, and maybe it has to start with self care and weight loss and, you know, just being stronger and, and just loving on yourself every day. But what that unlocks in humanity is the, is the part I love the most and the thing I'm the most proud of. And the fact that we tell the truth about it. So like no magic potions or pills, just every day um, changing your behavior so that you put yourself first.
0: That is so well said. Okay, here's a loaded question. What have you had to personally overcome being a beach body
1: coach? Hmm. Um, I think I've been so protective of how people see me that I've struggled with being active on social media. So I really so much care that people see me as like this genuine non-salesy, um, earthy kind of granola girl that I've, every time I go to post something on social media, I hesitate and I struggle and I judge myself and I don't get it done. (laughs) thing. It's been that transition, right? Because I didn't build my business with social media. In fact, when we launched the Coach Network, it didn't even exist barely. And so, everything that's familiar to me is face to face, relationship by relationship, um, and and that's still my comfort zone. But I also realize that social media is a way to reach out. That I it can be viewed as this phenomenal tool. Um, and the overcoming for me is this fear I have of. Um, of getting out into social media in a way that doesn't feel authentic or feels like, you know, my intentions are, I don't know. That's been my biggest struggle to be honest with you. And the yeah. truth is I could continue to build my business without it, but it's silly not to, I mean, yeah. it's silly to do that. So uh, while I see other Beachbody coaches like crushing it on social media, I feel like I'm kind of behind the ball and, and thinking, okay, well, Milan, just get over it. <laughs> and, and yet there's been a part of me. It's like, I want to prove, that you can have a phenomenal business with a little dabble in social media, but a lot in person. Um, yeah. That's
0: hey, you know, technology can sure make us feel old. I remember a few years ago I got a computer and it didn't have a port to put the CD in. You know? <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, my computer is faulty because it doesn't have a DVD player in it. And they're like, no, 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 we don't do that anymore. So, um, You know, in the past year or so, you have gotten a new uh, reputation of being the volume queen. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because this resurgence of like why volume is important um, brought you to the forefront because you explain it so well and people were seeking, you know, your assistance with that. Mm -hmm. Explain a little bit about why people were either not talking about volume to build a solid foundation and, and, and why is it important now? Mm-hmm.
1: So I think what happens, you know, I, we went through a bit of a struggle overall and we had grown really rapidly and then kind of gotten to this place where we were catching up with our growth. I think that's just a normal um, uh, cycle of life. in in all aspects of life, but certainly in business as well. And so here we are at this peak of growth, crazy growth, and everybody's like, okay, where, what do I, how do I sustain this? And it was coming at me from a lot of different places. Um, And one thing that I've noticed was some behavioral things with the coaches, especially early on, that weren't necessarily healthy from a volume perspective. That was one thing. And talk about that. But the other was I looked at the coaches who were thriving, like we're the coaches who built something that they were sitting on. that was like healthy and thriving and they weren't freaking out about sustaining and like they were in a happy place. And the truth is they were all volume strong. And then I looked outside of Body and I looked at companies and how they grew. And I said, oh, okay. So volume strong, building volume based teams is really at the heart of all of this. And I looked at the very first five years of my team's growth and realized that the coaches who were in the best place were the ones who were sticking to volume strong mindset. So it's not a new idea. It was just that I think what happens sometimes is when people come on board and they don't know what their own goal is, this is probably going to be a part of some advice I, I, I share at some point, but when you don't know what your own goal is and you reach for an external goal like success club or elite coach or ranking up or doing those things and you're reaching for that goal because you don't really know what your own is and that's okay. In the beginning, sometimes you don't, it causes behavior. It causes you to do things that don't necessarily build a volume, strong team. And so a year ago, I just started saying, what if every coach knew with 100% confidence how to have six to 10 customers ongoingly every month that caused about 500 PV and volume to happen? What if we could just confidently teach that and duplicate that to everyone? there's some awesome things that happen. First of all, that coach has real customers. Second of all, they've got, they're profitable, right? They're making a little bit of money. Maybe it's $125 or so a month, not a lot, but definitely they're profitable. So the business isn't costing them money and they're getting confidence enough to then duplicate that. And so the more I talked about it, I could tell coaches were like, oh my gosh, I believed, I saw that vision at one point, but somehow I got off of it. So I think that um, when you combine incentives with volume, strong mindset, the two go together really well. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. Great, great advice. What mistakes do you see new coaches make in this business? I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, but what do you see most frequently?
1: Hmm. Um, well, I think expecting a little bit too much too soon. It might be one of them. Um, And so that pressure that that puts on you. And so either one thing happens, they either overtrain themselves, because I think you can train yourself right out of this business, or you just lose Mm -hmm. the joy for it. Or you're watching what everybody else is doing because you're looking for the easy button to hit because you want to bypass a bunch of steps and just go right (laughs) to the easy part. So let me like nail Instagram and whatever. (laughs) And so, you know, either looking for the easy button or, you know, just. Just not being really patient. I mean, if we were to step back, you and I, Sandy, and like start a business together, we wouldn't necessarily. We we would have some sense that the first three to six months is really a time of learning and Mm -hmm. um and just you know moving from that sheer joy of it and having some patience around it. And so, I will tell you that running their your own race, right? So staying in your own lane. And the internet, the internet does not define this journey. Like if you go on the internet and you, you watch what other coaches are doing and you think, oh, that defines what a coach should do. You could be way off the mark. I mean, like stick to, um, the basic things in the beginning and don't try to be, you know, or, or have a business that looks like what a coach's business does five years from now. And, The other thing is the internet, I don't think defines what success is as a coach either. And so what happens is coaches in the beginning stop feeling like they're running their own race because they're trying to run somebody else's. Um, I think the second part of that is running it at your own pace. So um, I've always heard people say, oh, success loves speed. And I think that what's really true is success just loves speed movement forward and so if you try to rush into this thing and you you know you burn a lot of bridges around the way or you make a lot of mistakes and now you're hiding because of that why not just move carefully um forward and um i think that a good question to ask of a new coach is what are the people around me experiencing of me as a coach? Because one of the best things a newbie wants is for their family to go, oh my gosh, this is awesome for you. Mm -hmm. Friends and family to go, we love what we see this coaching thing doing for you in your life. Mm -hmm. And so ask yourself, like, what is this doing? And what is their experience of me? Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I challenged? Um, Or am I neurotic? Am I unhappy? Am I judging myself? (laughs) hot mess? Am I always waking up every day feeling like I'm not doing enough? And that's if that's what your spouse and your children and your friends are experiencing, I'm sure that that's not what you had in your vision for this. So um, and the last thing I think, you know, running your own race and doing it at your own pace, the last thing is doing it for your own reasons. Um hmm. watch out for goals that don't belong to you or your life or the vision that you have of being a coach. And I think you need a goal, but a lot of times when I'm talking to newbie, they're like, I want to get to diamond. And I'm like, hmm that tells me right away that that's that, that what's missing is their own goal. Like what is getting to diamond mean to you? And um, you need to have the goal, but it needs to be your own, not necessarily um, what uh, an incentive is telling you need to do or, you know, what um, another coach is telling you, you need to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a great goal in the beginning is just proving that this works. For yourself, it is vital behaviors. It is living in the sheer joy of it, and um, well,
0: getting results from a product is the first goal you can ever set for yourself, really. Right,
1: right, and, right. It's, and,
0: and it's a business base.
1: Yes, yeah, agree. So, uh,
0: Milan, I only have a couple more questions. When, when in your coaching journey did you have to pivot or reinvent? what you knew was you know, working for you all these years, but then something just changed and it wasn't working anymore? When did you have to pivot?
1: I remember it really well, it was year five. So um, year five, and this is how I knew. So I had leads coming in, I had customer support, I had the phone ringing, I had, email, I had all this stuff that needed my attention in my business. And if you could see my office, I literally stood at the door and didn't want to go sit down at my desk Mm -hmm. and day would go by and day would go by where I didn't, I didn't want to do it. And I felt so much guilt around that. I'm like, gosh, I'm so lucky to have this thriving business. And yet I don't want to go sit in it and do the work. So that's not me, like what's going on. And it was literally a crisis of, um, of love for what I was doing. And I think that I don't. I can't tell you 100 percent what got me there, I, but I can tell you that I knew when it happened because I literally stood at my desk and like felt the guilt of it and felt the weight of it and thought, mm. "What is wrong with me? I need to fix this." And that actually lasted three months. Oh Wow. And what did you do? Um, well, my jokingly had a friend say, "Take the hinges off the doors. <laughs> you have to go in. There, you know, get." That's funny. I I, I literally had to ask myself again, what is it that I love about doing this? I had to sh- stop looking at what I wasn't doing and and look at the, the joy of it. Um, the best thing you can do, I think, if you feel in any kind of a funk in this is to get out with people again. So, so much of my work was behind my computer that I stopped being out with people and um, being out and in, involved in my community and um, meeting with other coaches and just showing up for stuff was, um, and, and having the conversations that I love so much again, was huge for me. Uh, because this it can be really isolating sometimes, even though you feel like you're engaging with all these people, the engagement felt um, superficial. Mm -hmm. And where I'm my happiest is when I'm really getting into people's lives and enjoying it. So like, I would rather have be working with 20 awesome customers. And like now I've got a huge group right going on with to be mindset, but I would rather be working deeper with 20 awesome customers than be churning numbers constantly. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I had to really just fall back in love with it again. And, um, and get back to running my own race at my own pace for my own reasons and shut out. You can hear this. And this would be true for any person in any business. I think shut out um, any of the language that was telling me that I wasn't doing enough and that I could be doing more because when you wake up every day, feeling that way, it's exhausting. Um,
0: How do you um, you said, you know, I work with 20 people. How do you work the business now? Like what, what is your um,
1: sweet spot? Mm. So you know, there's a percentage of time that's supporting a team, and um, it's getting it's my my team my team approach is to create I created a things that people could plug into right so there's things that a team can plug into because I had to believe and this was another reason way I came out of my funk in the year five is I had to believe that what I was attaching people to would deliver on the promise of coaching so the training and the engagement on our call and the fun little incentives. I do enough with my team so that I meet my, my internal goal of believing that when they come into the fold of our team, they're going to have every chance to succeed. Because if you don't believe that, then you're not going to want to build and you're not going to want to sponsor. You have to you sponsor people into um, feeling 100% confident that you can deliver on that promise. It's up to them what they do, but you've got to feel like what you're plugging into, in them into works. Um, so I would say that I had to first feel like what I was bringing people into was really good. And, um, so I spend some time in that team space, but it's really easy to get stuck there and not go out and do your own work. Um, to be mindset was a big turnaround for me up until that point, And we're talking many, many years. I'm not a person that loves working out and sweating and getting, I mean, I love golf. I love walking. I love yoga. There's certain power 90, maybe, um, those things but i'm not a get up and sweat every day kind of girl so um and i struggled with my weight all through these years of coaching to be mindset was the first time i felt like okay i can do this and i feel like i belong in this community finally i can finally create my own story it's great and so um customer interaction for me is um super rewarding and i think that that's probably true for any coach And, um, so I actually have customers now that text me pictures of their, (laughs) of their meals A few, Right. So like you get a core group and, and doing that back and forth is real accountability, like three times a day or more checking in our weights in the morning. We have a tracker Mm. that does that, but I like to take it on another personal level. Yeah. Um, So So, that's
0: uh, Milan. Um, I do have one last question and it's the question that I ask, um, everyone that comes on this, episode, this podcast. Um, And that is the one thing, you know, that if you could tell newer coaches, just one thing, what
1: would that be? It's the same thing I told the very first coach who joined my team, coach number two. (laughs) (laughs) And that is truly care more about who you're becoming. And um, the journey of learning than what you actually achieve. I mean, literally every day, care more about that. And you'll always stay in love with this. The work will always be rewarding. And interestingly enough, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, six to $7 or six to seven figures that they're, you know, that, that, that how this unfolds, um, the, the joy and the, the benefits of it will never leave you. And so um, I think caring more about who you're becoming and the journey of learning and all of this is where the real reward is and the money always follows. It always does. Um,
0: That is is the best advice. I um, love you dearly, deeply, (laughs) and um, you're so wise and soulful and you've always known the path for as long as I've known you. And I've been here 11 years and you were coach number one 12 years ago. <laughs> so thank you very much, Milan, for being the guest on episode two of uh, what I know now. <laughs> I think you knew a lot back then, but you still know more now.
1: Well, you know, I love that you're doing this, Sandy. I think that it not only it honors some of the wisdom that we have in our coach community and bringing it um, to new coaches that are coming on board that feel the roots and branches of Of what we we're creating, I'm so loved that you're willing to do that, and that you've given me this opportunity to participate. Thank you.
0: Very welcome. Thanks, Milan. All right.